Hi, everybody. Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll of valleyindie.org, an online newspaper covering Ansonia, Derby, and Seymour. I just realized Kurt Miller is not in the picture. <laughs> He's upstairs. <laughs> yeah. uh, joining me, making a return appearance. It's been about five months since I checked in podcast-wise with the city of Ansonia. So I'm very happy to welcome back to this program Ansonia Mayor David Cassetti. Hello, everybody. Economic Development Director and Grant Writer Sheila O'Malley. Hi, Eugene. Thanks for having us. And Corporation Counsel John Marini. Thanks so much for having us on, Eugene. Uh, it's my pleasure. So uh, we were just talking before the camera turned on or before I started recording and I want, yeah, we're still recording. We're going to talk about some economic development. We're going to talk about a, a bond rating uh, because wherever Kurt Miller is, there's a rule like within 500 feet of him, it's, you have to talk about bond ratings. The former first selectman who is now working for the city of Ansonia. What's his uh, title? The chief fiscal officer. Fiscal officer. Gotcha. Chief fiscal officer. So we'll, we'll get right into it. But first, I want to read a very important message from this podcast sponsor, valleygivesback.org. Take one minute. While giving back is always in season, now is a great time to plan your gift. Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what mattered to you. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action will inspire others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about plan giving options. Plan now, give later, impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. Uh, so I've this is my fourth podcast in about a week, video podcast like this. And one of the things I'm trying to ask everybody when, when they come on is 2020 was a rotten year for uh, a lot of reasons. Uh, and January 6th, we saw uh, the Capitol overrun. And so one of the things that I took away from all that was how important it is to sort of rebuild and reach out and basically be nice, nice to each other on the community level. So uh, I'm going to ask you, Mayor Cassetti, what do you think uh, we can do or what can you do to breach, not breach, to connect that divide, to bridge the gap that exists uh, in the country at this moment? I, I think we all need to stick together. We need to work together and everybody needs to be inclusive in everything that we do. I do that here in the city of Ansonia with, with everybody, whether it's the minorities, whether it's the people on fixed incomes, whether it's, I keep everybody together to work together, keep them involved, keep them informed on what's happening. And, and I do it with my robocalls, letting people know what's happening in the town to keep the community together. That's what I like to do. And that's the way I've been doing it. Yeah, I think more than ever now, community matters, you know, yes. uh, not to be uh, Pollyanna, but it's it's right. true, you know, I'm trying to keep myself uh, above the uh, the depression right. line there. So, right. all right. So that was my uh, yeah, being a great example. Um, we have a uh, vaccination clinic going on at Griffin next week and that's for individuals 75 years and older. 
And so we were coordinating a way of informing uh, the, the, the residents about this. And of course, mayor's gonna do a robocall and, and the usual posts on Facebook. But uh, this morning we learned that the mayor took it upon himself. He grabbed a list of the seniors and apparently he's been calling all morning. He got so excited. So, you know, I, I think for us that personal touch is a big thing. Um, when you talk about bridging the gap, it's actually taking the right. time to talk to people. And the mayor's our leader in that respect. I mean, he that, that, that's really why he ran for mayor is because he cares about people and, and he right. can't do without that personal touch. With just to put a plug in for Griffin Hospital, they are coordinating with us. It's going to be held February 4th at the Armory from 9 to 12. Um, and anybody 75 and older, as John and the mayor mentioned, were, were uh, the mayor's calling and, and trying to get them slotted uh, for a vaccination. So it's next Thursday, February 4th. That's great news. And I do appreciate you sharing that uh, on this broadcast. I hope people see it because that's, that's hugely important. We're talking about saving lives and preventing disease, preventing this right. virus. Uh, let me just ask, because I've gotten a couple of emails uh, over the last week when they started to roll out the, the vaccine, especially, I mean, somebody from New Milford contacted me. She's trying to, she was trying to sign up her 79 year old husband. Uh, you know, the fact that she somehow was contacting me shows that there's a need, obviously, if you're not compute, if you're not on the computer all day, if you have a life, uh, unlike me and John Marini up there, the uh, I'm just kidding, John. But if somebody has a question, if, if Mayor, you call somebody oh. and they don't know how to access whatever they have to register or they lose their password, is there somebody in the city that can help them in any way? Yes, we got Dave Connolly, our IT person that possibly could help them out. But a lot of the people that I'm calling, the elderly that I've been calling this morning, they have a telephone number. I give them the number and which, which to call at the Griffin Hospital to schedule their appointment. And they're very thankful for that. And, um, you know, as far as go, on a computer, it's better off if you call in person the 433 number that I have. The four, the it's 203-433-3394. Okay, that's perfect. That's if perfect. They call yeah. that number, they will get in touch with a live person and they will get scheduled. That's the best way to do it. And they even tell you the computer sometimes it's, you know, it takes time. But the best thing is you got a telephone, call that 433-3394 number. That's the number to call. And that's what I've been giving all the residents that I've been calling this morning on. Okay. Thanks again. That's awesome. All right. So I'm sorry, Sheila. Sorry, we can actually schedule an appointment for them right. through Griffin uh, if they can't get through. Okay, that's awesome. That's exactly yeah. what I was looking for. Because on, on one hand, like, you know, I'm one guy and it's hard to, there's no central place to get all this information. Right. Uh, right. So that that's really a, a good info. So thank you again for that. Uh, you want to talk about a bond rating now? So yes, last week, and, and this this surprised me. I, I got the release on Friday. Uh, the actual, thank you for sending the actual report too. Cause then you go, I, you know, I go through it. I'm like, all right, where do they knock Ansonia? Not everything can be this good. Look, we're in a recession. How does Ansonia reaffirm its bond rating? I don't really understand because the last time you guys went for it and, and same thing with, uh, with Shelton and the city of Derby, everybody was knocked down a peg. And the concern was, well, the state finances are, are shaky, uh, how is it now that we're, we're, we're there's a pandemic across the globe and we're in a recession and unemployment is high? Uh, how did you? How is the, the the fact that you're reaffirming that bond rating? How did that happen? 
I mean, I think Eugene, a couple factors. Uh, the first is that the Ansonia really has had a plan in place from the very beginning. And some of the results of the plan are evident uh, with respect to the strategy that the city adopted to strategically draw off the grand list in a way that would allow us the ability to reinvest in the community. And of course the hope was, the goal was that this would trigger increases in the grand list um, and, and further economic stability. And of course you see that in the numbers. So I think seeing that long-term plan take effect, seeing it get to those results, I think that's one factor. Another factor is policies and procedures. So we've said very early on uh, with S&P that at a certain point, of course, we also have a plan to pivot, right? Once we get the, the results that we want with the growing grand list, um, there's, there's a plan to basically pivot, you know, reduce use of the, of the uh, fund balance going forward. Um, and be able to make sure that we're holding ourselves where we need to be on the threshold where we need to be. And I think they've seen those policies, they've seen those procedures, they understand again, we have a plan for this next phase, you know, call it a phase two if you'd like. So I think that planning demonstrated, you know, it's demonstrated uh, it, be successful and it's demonstrated that we make good on what we tell them, that exactly. when we have a plan, we adhere to it. And um, honestly, we've positioned ourselves, I think in a way where, well, well, there's certainly been you know, myriad challenges over the last year uh, with COVID. You know, we positioned ourselves where at least financially, uh, we're in a good place. We're in a solid place. Back in and 2018, our grand list went up over $90 million. I mean, we, we, it's gone up every single year since I've been in office. And that's what our goal is, is to grow the grand list, to keep taxes. And, yeah. And like John had said, we made certain representations last time we spoke with S&P that actually came to fruition. And they, you know, they recognize that we have a strong management team. They recognize that our economic development activity that we thought was going to occur is actually occurring. And they, uh, we reduced the use of our fund balance and we said we were gonna do that and we did it. Um, and again, like John mentioned, we, we updated our uh, policies and procedures and they like that, so. Um, I was gonna so ask, I'm sorry, Sheila, I interrupted you. No, nope. done. Uh, you know, Mayor Cassetti, the one knock against the city over the last couple of years is that, well, you know, they, they're, taking the, they're taking money out of fund balance and using it for, the, for tax relief. And that's not a good way. You can't do that uh, for so long. This is a, a softball question, I guess. But does this uh, fund balance reaffirmation uh, prove that you were right, that, that that's the way to, to do it. Our fund balance when I came to office was, was huge and we used it responsibly for certain projects to get done, but we're not using it anymore, but it does, it, it did work and we're starting to grow it again and we won't have to rely on it anymore. You know, Eugene, I, growing. Yeah. Eugene, I think the answer is it's, it's not a one size fits all thing, right? Different communities have different needs and, and therefore different strategies. So when Ansonia, you know, you had a situation eight years ago where you, you really, you couldn't really raise the taxes, but at the same time you needed reinvestment. Um, and so, you know, we, we calculated our strategy based on those needs and the ability to, we had an ability to use uh, the fund balance in that way, right? Another community, it may be a completely different story. So I think there, there is no one size fits all answer. And while that may be frustrating, I think that's, you know, that's why the local leadership is, is important to be able to assess what's going on in your specific community and to tailor a response. Um, and, you know, and here the strategy was to fit the needs of Ansonia 
uh, it, that that's not to be taken and applied to another community. Um, you know, it, it, it's not one size fits all. Who was involved in talking to the rating, ratings agency? So our team, of course, involved our financial uh, f- chief fiscal officer, uh, Kurt Miller, uh, the mayor, uh, Sheila, myself, and of course, our former comptroller, Rich Bashar. And uh, Mr. Bashar, is he still with the city? I know there was, when Miller was bought, brought on board, he was going to transition out because he can't, he's like Al Pacino in Godfather 3. He can't get, he can't get rid of the city of Ansonia. I mean, that's a, a wealth way. of knowledge. Rich has a wealth of knowledge. He's got so much knowledge about the city finances. We're going to use him from time to time, but we will be phasing. He'd be phased out. He, he, he's a, he works in a part-time capacity, essentially helping, you know, finance, but, but he's no longer the assistant comptroller. Um, he, he's essentially helping with the transition. And of course he's proven to be very valuable with yes. that transition. Yes. And then in terms of the fund balance, I thought I read Friday and I could, I'm an idiot when it comes to numbers, but I think it, it said city of Ansonia is keeping its fund balance at about 12% of the operating budget. Is that right? Correct. And you're able to do that. Cause that's, that's a, that's a big percentage. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a healthy percentage. Nine per, nine point. I don't, I don't know exactly, but the over 9% yeah. for uh, undesignated reserve funds. Okay, and now going forward, and then we can wrap this up and move on to some other topics, but the budget season, I suppose, is getting underway uh, in Ansonia. I know it's sort of is in Derby, at least. Uh, how's that looking in what's become a cliche, but in these uncertain times? We don't know where the economy is going. Uh, although it seems like all this influx of money from the federal government is keeping the state afloat, like their all their their deficit projections are being erased, the stock market is doing well. I don't get any of that. But what's going to happen? Or is there is there going to be a small tax increase this year? Do you think? Well, well, right now we 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 went for an extension on our grand list, setting our grand list because our our assessor had left. But probably by the end of uh, March, I should have my budget in. And I did tell my staff and I, and I preach it to them that we're to keep taxes stable. I do not want to go up and we're working on it. It's still in process, a work in progress. Okay. Uh, and then switching gears, there's been a lot of talk on social media. Uh, well, beyond talk, the Ansonia Police Department has reported uh, several purse snatchings that have taken place uh, not only in Ansonia, but it's also happened uh, in Derby, right. Oxford, according to the Seymour First Select woman. Uh, I get this. There's a perception, and it might be because I'm like I'm on the Neighbors app now. There's a neighborhood watch group on Facebook that I'm in. There's one in Shelton. A lot of people are talking about crime, this low-level property crime that seems to be taking place. Is it a concern, and what is the city doing about it? It, it, it is a concern. I mean, there's been a rash of burglaries with the car, car break-ins. The, yesterday, the purse snatching at uh, Stop and Shop and the gas station. And, but the, the, I informed, the chief has informed me that he is on top of it. The, the police are on top of that. Yeah, it is concerning, but we're working with it. I mean, for, with what we have now in today's society. And uh, I was at a Derby Police Commission meeting about a week or two ago 
where they talked about the fact that one thing that's fueling some of these uh, burglaries is people leave their fobs. See, I have an old car. I don't even know what a fob is, whatever the, 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 uh, the fancy yeah. way to start your car. They leave it in the, in the glove compartments, which I guess the New York Times in a national story saying that is a reason for yes. uh, so many cars are being stolen because it's just easy to do so. Right. The people should lock their doors at night, their, their car doors, secure it. Don't leave the fob in there. Bring it bring it in the house. I have one on my car. I bring it in every night. But everybody should lock their doors. A lot of these break-ins are people who leave their doors open, which is not a good thing. You got to lock everything. Yeah. I mean, the COVID, I think the COVID has unfortunately had that effect um, throughout, the, throughout the state, is that I think with, with bad economic times, um, you have people resorting to desperate measures. It's just becoming more commonplace, unfortunately. You know, I don't think Ansonia is, um, you know, an exception. I, I think it's unfortunately a sad trend. So vigilance, like the mayor said, number one, um, you know, make sure things are locked. Also make sure things aren't left out on the seat because anybody walking by cars looking in, they're going to notice if you left something interesting sitting right there on the car seat. So just take that extra bit of vigilance to, to make sure that you're putting it in the console or that you're taking something with you. Don't, don't leave stuff out. Um, and there's in been of, in terms of our you know effort, obviously, we believe very strongly in police presence. Mayor works very uh, closely with the police chief and the police commission. Um, and that's a, a big part of the reason why even before this, uh, th there was an intention to bring our police station downtown to put them front and center uh, to, to put you know police presence, you know, front front and center out there in, in our busiest, densest areas. So, uh, Attorney Marina, you just provided a perfect segue. You're like uh, you're like Pat Sajak up there, the police station. I know uh, Gene Fabio Sosnovich, who's freelancing for the Valley Indy now, wrote a story a couple of weeks back. Uh, there was an, uh, the, how's the police station coming along? On, what is it, 65 Main Street? Yes, yep. 65 Main Street. So it's coming along well uh, on schedule, we believe, for the summer of this year. Um, and essentially, you're, you're, you're in that stage where you're making sure everything is going to land right. Um, you know, the police station itself is well underway. Um, you're, you're adding on that element of the senior center. Uh, that's likely to go out to bid uh, within the month. But things are starting to look, you know, in terms of plans to look very finalized. Uh, right. and it's a matter of making sure everything is on track, you know, and that rolls into the state on time. When you right say the, the senior right. center is going out to bid, I, I thought it was all all included in the in a price. What's what's going out to bid? This so the architect has put together all the specs, and of course, there's an estimate on what the cost will be. But it needs to go out to bid to actually go out to you know get quotes on on the actual construction. I know, and and I haven't uh, uh, checked in, and it was it's, confusing. Is this does this inclusive of the the additional money that was fact, approved yes, by the it, alderman? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. Sorry, Sheila. It's seven thousand square feet, and the um, the PD right now they're replacing all of the glass on the the exterior windows, and the tower is being constructed, and then um, simultaneously the uh, equipment and uh, technology uh, in wiring is being done for the PD. And is that building, do you have an idea of what every uh, space inside the building will be used for? I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the, the, senior, the senior center w was going there, it was not going there, but now it's definitely going there. Is there any uh, extra space left over in there for other? Yeah. On the, on the PD floor, there's, there isn't any extra space. That's all being utilized. And of course they can't share it, but that, but that second floor, which is really the first floor, 
Um, that's that's gonna include a 7,000 square foot space for the seniors, a multi-purpose community center, a gym, and there will be additional office spaces as well, which we aren't sure what's gonna be going in there, but hopefully something revenue generating. Uh, and then in terms of let's let's go up Main Street towards uh, City Hall, staying on that side of the street, uh, eight, uh, the Palmer Building and, and Chromium, the former Chromium processing uh, thing. How is that coming along? I haven't driven down there uh, in a while because I don't leave this space. But uh, I know there was mixed use development was approved uh, by your P&Z a while back. Has that project started? Yep. The, their site plans were approved for 497. 153 and 165 Main Street. And they're, uh, they've done interior demolition. I think some of the photos we had up on Facebook. And now they're pulling permits for all the construction uh, end of things, the electrical, the contractors, et cetera. So um, they are just, as a matter of fact, just received notification that they're uh, sending to the building department all of the copies of the plans so that the uh, inspectors can go out there. So you're going to see a lot of activity um, with respect to the 90 residential units and to also the um, anchor tenant. Oh, okay. All right, Sheila, you're being coy. This is like <laughs> trademark Sheila O'Malley. <laughs> Mayor Cassetti, so Mayor Cassetti, let's. Oh yes, he goes. Let me hold on. Let me mute. Let me mute O'Malley and Marini, Mayor. Let's just like talk for a second. No. <laughs> Don't, don't mute us. Who's going Wait in there, Mayor Cassetti? Give, give us a hint at least. Come on, we need some good news. They make a lot of pancakes. Oh, okay. all right. That's been previously reported. IHOP, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I called IHOP the the, the uh, at their corporate level. Of course, they don't they don't uh. say anything. That was a wild. Uh. Bad. Okay. That would that's calls uh, us the town criers. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean the, that. Uh, he's trying to cut us off right all right go uh, ahead john yeah. speculate you know that project of course is um subject to an agreement uh that features a timeline and the city is very satisfied with the progress that's being made according to that timeline and of course as previously discussed it involves former city property atp palmer blend it with the feral property um and an incentive tax incentive that is contingent on getting it done and getting it done on time um and so we have a you know basically a it's exactly a partnership, but you know, there's a public role here, um, just as there certainly is on the, the, the police station, which is a 100% public project. I, I will say we're, we're fortunate to have these projects that have this public element lined up before COVID hit. Um, and it's happenstance in a way, but that goes a long way as, as these projects are continuing despite the obstacles that the pandemic has uh, posed. Um, and that also applies back down the street to the demolition project of SHW. And we're looking forward to that getting underway. And we had a significant milestone uh, in that project last week when we uh, closed on SHW. Uh, the title is transferred and that portion of the larger copper and brass property is now the property of the city of Ansonia. And we're looking forward now to continue the, the, the dialogue necessary with EPA to clear the way for the demolition of that piece. And, you know, I, I, I feel bad now because I, I was being rude, but yesterday 
you had all the muckety mucks. There were a whole bunch of uh, elected politicians from the state level and the chairman of the state's development. What's what's the office? I'm sorry. Economic, economic, economic and community development. The commissioner. Lehman. Lehman. Yep. Okay. He's a great guy. Very happy to have them. And oh, yeah. uh, Representative Rochelle and Senator um, Cabrera. Cabrera as well. So I've anyway. been to a lot of these walkthroughs before and in the city of Derby as well, uh, a number going back since 2009 where they get the tour. Why is this important, do you think? Why, why does that need to happen? I think we're narrowing things down, Eugene. I mean, Sheila can pinpoint it for us here, but you know, before we were looking at this property in total, right? And saying, you know, something's gotta be done. And again, we, we sort of narrowed things, narrowed our target with our strategy, our first bite into this was SHW, again, now owned by the city, slated for demolition. And so now it's, you know, what is that next step? And um, with Sheila's guidance, the next step has been uh, determined to be the uh, renovation, rehabilitation of perhaps the only structure on this site that could be salvaged, which is called the extrusion mill. And uh, yesterday was about talking about the need for funds to get that piece done. And Sheila could, of course, bring us into more detail. Yeah, I mean, I think it's to your to your question, Eugene, I think it's important to bring in the state delegation and the, the state uh, leadership and the commissioner and also the federal representatives, the federal congressional delegation who have been there as well, Senator Murphy and Blumenthal and uh, Congresswoman DeLauro. I think it's important because it's going to take local, state and federal resources to tackle this uh this uh, parcel, but I, but I also think, as John had said, um, it's really important to narrow your focus and not have an ask. Well, we've got eight to ten million dollars worth of demo and remediation costs, but nobody wants to hear that if you're a legislator. So we have we have narrowed it down with our draft MDP um, to to a revitalization of a two hundred thousand square foot manufacturing facility known as the former extrusion mill. And that, and that gets us to, you know, if we could, if we could get that back to production and to reuse, um, it, it's gonna solve a lot of problems for Ansonia. We have no manufacturing space left, uh, ready-made manufacturing space left. So we're targeting that building and we're targeting our request to include that building on the Ansonia Copper and Brass site. And then going back, uh, Mayor Cassetti, you had mentioned this potential tenant that's coming uh, to Main Street. Uh, and what, what, what jumps when you said that, what, no name? Or, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. No, um, that's not for you, Eugene. That's for oh, the that's, mayor. Oh, yeah. that's just a. But my question <laughs> is, I mean, when you like Main Street in Ansonia, you know, I was there from 2009 to, to last year. Right. And I've said this a thousand times, like when I first moved in, it was, it was sort of a ghost town. Uh, there were a lot of empty storefronts. There wasn't much uh, going on. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden, like on a Thursday night, you couldn't get parking on Main Street right before uh, COVID hit. So something like that, if that tenant uh, comes in, I mean, does that open up? Because I could see like something like that being a big draw to Ansonia and to all the existing businesses once we get out of this COVID nonsense to get back to normal. Uh, how important it is to have a, a name tenant like that in that location? And does that help uh, Sheila get grant money when you kind of, it's, it's, you have like a Shelton thing going on. It's, it's, it seems it's, like. It's absolutely. Listen, when I first came to office, 
I said to my staff when I brought him in, we need to make Ansonia a destination spot. Let's hit, let's start with restaurants. Let's try to get restaurants down here so that people will drive people down here. And with this new tenant that's going to come in, that's going to drive even more people and it's going to open up things everywhere for us. Uh, definitely with grants. I mean, we've already got $55 million in grants since I took office in 2013. I mean, it's only going to blossom. It's only going to keep growing and things are going to happen. And then uh, my former office was 158 Main Street, right. Suite, suite 305. I don't know if you ever saw Mayor. Right when I left, the last thing I did, we had a giant uh, picture of you and uh, Alderman Yalman from his campaign back in the day. I put that across the back of the, I don't know. I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> send it to me. Uh, but what's going on with, uh, and I don't want to say how we got that, uh, but that photo, the, uh, is that, that was going to be mixed use as well. Uh, right. All the, all the tenants have, are, I guess there's a few tenants left, but over the years, that was, uh, everybody was going to Shelton because you right. can get uh, comparable rates right. and be right on route eight. What's the status of, that, of that, that project? Approved. Sheila could, Sheila could tell you more about it, but that's. Yeah. So they still have that department. site plan that's been approved and they've got a financial now have a financial partner that they were lacking, which is, right. was holding up the development. So same, uh, same site plan going forward with it. Just heard from the, uh, the owners, uh, last week, as a matter of fact, that they're going to be pulling permits. So That's we're, good. we're back on schedule, hopefully. Yeah, I know. Cause that it one had lack of funding. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And then going up to Olson drive, uh, there was an initiative, I guess it had to be, well, at this point it had to be over a year ago, uh, of a, uh, John, why are you looking at me like that? Like I'm not making sense. I'm making sense. Uh, Developer Geds was going to come in uh, and you guys wanted to get the deed restriction off the land there. That was in Sonia Housing Authority. The commission on a local level was down with it. Uh, and then you had entered some type of bureaucracy. And now there's been a uh, administration change on the federal level. Is that project still in the works or is it pretty much dead in the water? So my look of consternation is because of how long, you know, it takes sometimes for the wheels to turn. Right. And this is an exciting project. We're really happy to report it, you know, it's, it's, it's closer than ever. So it took quite some time to get the application to the agency um, into HUD, but it is now in, and it's expected back within, I believe no more than maybe another 30, 30 to 60 days. Um, so it took a long time to actually get that over to them. There were certain um, benchmarks that the city needed to complete in order to get a, a, a complete application. We were informed early last year that it was going to require a little more than anticipated in terms of the information HUD would need to properly assess this, right? And this is all about getting HUD to remove the deed restriction and allow the sale of the property from Ansonia Housing to the city of Ansonia. So this application, you know, if, it, if it's not granted, the city was not able to buy the property. But we're very happy to report that the application was complete with everything required. It was uh, submitted about a month ago. The turnaround time is supposed to be 65 days, no longer than 65 days for HUD to give us a response. And so, of course, we are just waiting on pins and needles for that application result to come back. If it is approved, then the city does intend to go forward with the purchase of Olson Drive. And that oh, okay. would set it up for further development. And of course, waiting in the wings is the winner of the bid from way back when, uh, John Getz and his proposal to bring a private recreational complex to Olson Drive. 
He and, hasn't moved on at this point? Um, he has not. He has not moved still, on. He's interested, awaiting the decision as we are, as waiting HUD's decision. Yeah, he's still interested, Eugene, as of last week, two weeks ago. Coming along. Okay, then my yep. last question. Uh, I was shocked to, to read this, uh, that the city is thinking about possibly regionalizing uh, its ambulance service, its EMS service in some capacity. And I guess a request for proposals was put out a, a while back. Yes. Uh, you know, like I, I, I haven't been in the Valley my entire life, but I know when anybody tries to change uh, one of the emergency services, fire departments, which are volunteer, that that's a big deal and can uh, kind of shake a community to its core. Uh, so I don't mean to, to portray this in a negative light, but what's the motivation there and what's the latest? Is, is the city of Ansonia going to do away with its ambulance service? I, mean, I think overall, Eugene, there's this spirit of uh, cooperation that we're trying to foster between the Valley communities. And you see it certainly with the exploration of a possible regionalization for education. Uh, there's been talks about regionalization of other departments, um, for example, possibly senior centers. You know, trying to identify ways that communities can work together. And um, when it comes to these our Valley communities, we're so similar, so close together. It makes sense for taxpayers. It makes sense for efficiency. And in many ways, you know, we realize that we could be stronger by working together. So this is simply part of that vetting process. A city wants to explore whether it would make sense. To some extent, we already have regional entities servicing emergency response for the valley towns i think the um, mayor also sorry i think the mayor also wanted to see if there's a uh, a way to eliminate that third party um bill that our residents get when they when they have to use an ambulance service um, and his his goal is to try to eliminate that extra bill that our we residents get a lot of calls through the course of the year about that that extra bill that they get for the ambulance service. I'm trying to eliminate that. Paramedics. Beyond the cost to the city's service, part of the inefficiency of not working in a county form in a regional form is you do have this double billing issue where you do have residents paying more than they otherwise would be. Um, so it's it's trying to um, control costs for not just the uh, the cities but also costs for the, 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 the ultimate users of the service. But I mean, talking about that, 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 that's crucial. The service itself, the quality of the service is paramount. So in any What's exploration the, of something like this, it's to make sure that that service um, is, is, is the, the quality is upheld and only improved. And if, regional, if regionalization can't accomplish that, it's not something the city is interested in doing, but it takes exploration. And that requires us talking about it, looking at it, putting bids out to see what the responses would be. What'd so, you get back? So um, we got uh, bids were due back on Monday and we got uh, three bids, two very solid bids um, from two ambulance uh, related companies. Who so, are they? I know, I know VEMS um, was- so we've, got, we've got one from VEMS, we've got one from Nelson Ambulance and we have one from AMS. Um, and so what's the next I, step now what what happens with these documents who reviews it and when do you make a decision so john and the mayor and finance and myself will take a look at it, at the proposals and uh and and make a recommendation on what we think is the best option for uh for our residents and then i and john can talk more about the process i don't and then 
I believe we to have that discussion with the Board of Aldermen. Yeah, I mean, essentially you start a staff review and that would lead into a discussion with the Board of Aldermen. And ultimately it's the legislative body that would have to make a decision to change the way that we provide uh, or the medical services provided in Ansonia. And do you think this will be on the agenda of the next Alderman meeting? Is it gonna be something that moves that quickly? It's hard to say at this point, as it's still undergoing staff review, it's possible that they could have a first introduction to who the bidders were and a review of the bids. Um, but I think it's too early to say exactly, you know, how quickly the process would move. Okay, those are all my questions. I don't know if anyone else wanted uh, to add uh, anything. If you want to talk more about IHOP, I'm down with that. Oh, Eugene. I just meant in general, I like their pancakes. So do I. And so does John and Sheila. <laughs> no, that's it. All right, well. Not talking, Eugene, not talking. I I, <laughs> I want to uh, thank uh, everybody for coming on. Thanks, thanks uh, for having us. Yeah, and I apologize; it's been so long. We should try to do this once a month. Often. Uh, Great. You know, and I got to recalibrate. Yeah, because I've, I've Ansonia's. I, suddenly, we're getting all these Seymour stories, but we got to pay attention to Ansonia because that is, of course, where my heart is. Right. Yeah, I'd love to Great. hear that. Great. Yeah. All Great. right, there. Look now. Can I be a politician? Maybe I'll run for something now. Okay. Sure. Got to move uh, to Ansonia. Have to move to Ansonia, Eugene. You're never going to leave, are you? Uh, look at this place. You think anyone's <laughs> going to buy this place? I got Chewbacca. It's all right. That's an Ansonia photo up there, though. I, that kid is probably yeah. in college right now. My wife took that for the Connecticut Post a good ten wow. years ago. So uh, it's an Ansonia uh, uh, football player. Charger. Kid, so. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much, uh, uh, John Marini, Mayor David Cassetti, Sheila O'Malley. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Great. All right. Thank, thank you. you, Eugene. Thanks again, Eugene. Thank you. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news.